This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. My question to you is, have you in your life called upon Him as your Lord, as your Savior? Have you surrendered your will completely and wholly to His? Do you know Jesus as your blessed and only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords? Jesus is that name above all names, far above every name that's named. In our lesson today, we'll learn that in order to follow Jesus, we need to lay down our own preconceived ideas and notions. We need to set aside our goals and our ambitions. Why is that? Well, it's because we've been bought with a price. We're no longer our own. We've been saved and set free. But not to live our lives as we choose. We're to submit to God and follow His ways. His ways are not burdensome. They are a delight. There are blessings to be received for those who follow God's ways. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 1, verse 20, for the conclusion of our message entitled, But Wait, There's More. Jesus was not in a coma. Jesus had not swooned. He was not sleeping. He had died 100% Roman-certified death. They knew that he was dead. The heart had stopped pumping. The veins and the arteries of our Savior, they had collapsed with no flow of any kind of life-giving blood. The lungs had long ceased to operate, and this cold hardness had overtaken the muscle and the tissue of that physical body. The brain waves had been flatlined for probably up to 60 hours at this point in time. Not only had his vital organs ceased to function doing what they're supposed to do, but every one of these vital organs were dead. Dead. Our Savior was physically, completely, wholly dead. But then... On that glorious resurrection morning, what was dead and what was cold came back to life because of the exceeding greatness of the dunamis, the, the power of God. It begins to bring life into that dead body. This lifeless body comes to life once again, and he raises from the dead. Life returns to the one who was dead, and now he lives forevermore. That's the power of God. And Paul here declares that it's the same power that worked to raise Christ from the dead. It's that same power continually and repetitively at work toward you and I as believers. But even as great and as awesome as the resurrection was, folks, that's not all. There's still more. There's more to come. Paul explains to us that not only was Christ raised from the dead by that exceeding greatness of the power of God, but he goes on to say that it was that same power, still in verse 20, which seated Christ at God's right hand in the heavenlies. You know, to stand at the right hand of a king or of a person of authority is, is actually a great honor. It shows honor to that individual for them to be able to come and stand at my right hand. But to be seated 
at the right hand of the king was a place both of honor and of authority. And that's why we read the declaration that John writes uh, from the book of Revelation as he hears the heavenly cries going out in Revelation chapter 5. John writes, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. They're saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessings. And then John goes on to write and he says, And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as even are under the sea and all that are in them I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power to Him who sits on the throne, to the Lamb forever and ever as Christ is seated in the heavenlies next to God the Father. It is a place of honor. It is a place of authority. It is a place of worship. Jesus was placed there by that exceeding greatness of the power of God. Oh, but wait. That's not all. There's more besides. He goes on to say, you and I need to understand that while he's seated there at that right hand of the Father, Even before we get into what Paul is saying here, you and I need to realize that while he's seated there, you know what? He has you and I in mind. While he's there with the Father, you and I are on his mind. He has the ear of the Father. And you know what? He's whispering your name. The Word tells us that he ever intercedes for us. That means he's continually talking to the Father about you and about I. Not in any way of condemnation, not in any way of judgment, but again, interceding on our behalf. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, he says that it is Christ who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Because of who Jesus is and because of his position The writer of Hebrews tells us that therefore he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. That's what our Lord Jesus is doing on our behalf continually, continually, continually. You ever ask somebody to pray for you because you're going through a hard thing? That's a good thing to do and I encourage you to do that. But you also need to know that Jesus is continually praying for you. He's continually interceding for you. What a glorious blessing his position then is to us. All but wait. There's still more. What else does it mean for Christ to be seated at the right hand of God in the heavenlies? In verse 21, back in Ephesians, Paul helps us to understand it pretty clearly. He specifically declares that in the present position of Christ, he is placed far above all principalities, far above all power, far above all might, far above all dominion, far above every name that is named. Now, so much has been made about this list that that Paul gives, and Paul kind of uses a similar list in other areas of his writings, a couple of times here in Ephesians, also in Romans, that, again, the the early church writers uh, actually looked at these as being the 
hierarchy or the structure, the governmental structure of spiritual forces, both good and bad. But really and truly, if, if you go too far into that, you start moving into a, a lot of speculation, and we don't need to speculate about it. I know that there's several Christian authors that have written on, on these spiritual battles and the structure and all, but again, they write fiction with a little bit of biblical information. We just need to remember, though it may be exciting reading, it is fiction. And we need to, again, understand, man, we need to stick to the Word of God informing our doctrine, informing our true understanding of what's going on in the heavenly realm. Well, here are some things that we won't fully know, we won't fully understand, really, until we're on the other side. As a matter of fact, it's Paul that tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 that for right now, we're looking in a mirror. We don't understand all this stuff that's going on. We look through a mirror dimly, but then we'll be able to see face to face. Right now, we know in part, but then we shall know just as we are known. So right now... Let's just leave the truth as as Paul puts it and gives it here, that Jesus, number one, he's far above all principality. Well, what do we know about the principality? Well, the principality are those dignitaries. Those are those thrones. Those are the honors that are given both spiritually as well as mortally. And Jesus is above all of those things. He's far above all power, all might, and all dominion. There's no authority on earth or or in the heavens that can stand against him. There is no equal to our Jesus, folks. None at all. He is the high and exalted one. Nothing even close. As a matter of fact, in a kind of a declaration of praise and worship, Paul writes to Timothy, his, his young protege, and he writes that Jesus Christ is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That whole idea of the potentate means that man, he is supreme and absolute authority. Nothing else beyond that. He also says that he's far above every name that is named. The ancient world would call upon their many pagan gods to give them protection, to give them blessing, also to be able to uh, defeat their enemy. They would call upon these gods of their own making. But you know what? Even today, man in his lost uh, condition calls out to false gods. They're called false gods because it's the gods of financial stability. It's the gods of social standing. It's the gods of popularity or pleasure or self-assurance or positive thinking and all of the, it just goes on and on and on today those who don't call upon the name of the lord jesus call upon something else to give them substance in life to give them security in life they're calling upon these false gods and these false gods will fail because they are not true they're not eternal they are not supreme only our jesus is There's no one and no one thing that can be called upon in man's feeble efforts that will give him truly peace, security, completeness, or salvation outside of the name of Jesus. Whatever your strength you think you might have, if it's outside of Jesus, it will fail you. 
Peter preaches it in Acts chapter 4 when he declares, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we might be saved. Paul confirms it in Philippians chapter 2 when he says that therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every knee should bow those in heaven and those on earth, those under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Recognize who your Jesus is. He's not just a choice among many. Beloved, He is the choice. He is the only one. The unfortunate reality in our culture, in our society today, we've, we've reached back to old pagan thoughts in many ways. And many times, even within the Christian community, there is this whole thought of the dark force and the light force. It's the yin and the yang, and it became very popular again at Star Wars, you know. Trust the force, Luke, you know, that, that whole idea. No, you know, it's not this dark side that's going to overwhelm the light side. No, the light side is in control. Our Jesus is in control. And there's nothing that Satan can do outside going through Christ himself. You think, well, that kind of messes with my mind. And it ought to mess with your mind. Because you and I need to understand that all that goes on within us, our God is fully and completely and 100% not only aware of, but he has either directly caused it to happen or he has allowed it to happen for a purpose. Our God isn't out of control Our God isn't overwhelmed by the forces of evil. Our God can't be strong-armed by Satan. Our God is sovereign. He is supreme. He is the one that's in control. My question to you is, have you in your life called upon Him as your Lord, as your Savior? Have you surrendered your will completely and wholly to His? Do you know Jesus as your blessed and only potentate, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus is that name above all names, far above every name that's named. But that's not all. Paul kind of wraps up this thing together, and he he places over this whole declaration of, of Jesus being far above the principalities and the powers and the might and the dominion and every name that is named. He's got that all in one package, and then he kind of wraps that whole package up with this statement in verse 21 where he says, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. It's not just a temporary thing that's going on. No, this is for ever and ever and ever. He has an eternal rule. He has an eternal power without end. And in the end of days, the loud voices in heaven are heard shouting. We read about it in Revelation 11. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. If you've ever heard Handel's Messiah, man, when you get to that chorus, wow, the roof comes off if you've got people that know it in their heart. And they're singing it 
of the truth. The reality and the truth, man, all the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our God and of His Christ. And He's going to reign forever and ever. Beloved, there's nothing or no one that you could call on, that you could place your trust in, that you could depend upon, that you could come before, who is as powerful and authoritative as our King Jesus. But that's not all. There's still more. Back, back in Ephesians, verse, verse 22 and verse 23, we end with, with Paul's finishing up his words of praise, his exaltation, by explaining the position of Christ now in reference, directly in reference to you and I as the church. Verse 22, he says, and he, speaking, he's now speaking of God the Father, and he put all things under his feet, speaking again of, of Jesus the Son. God put all things under the feet of Jesus. And gave him, God gave to Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. We, you and I, the church, we are the very body of Christ. And he is our exalted head. And I want to ask you today, even as we look around this morning, don't you think that the body of Christ is absolutely beautiful in its diversity? I look around even this morning, and though I see similarities in some of you, I see great diversity, too. I'm so glad that our God does not punch out little clones. And every one of us, we all come in, we're, we're dressed alike, we talk alike, we act alike, we uh, everything. All the, God doesn't do that. God takes us right where we're at. All the, all the frailties, all the failures, all the weaknesses, all the shortcomings, all the peculiarities. And I know some of you got peculiarities. I've talked to you. And, and yet God takes all of this and He forms it and, and, and molds it together as the very body of Christ. And we, here in this fellowship, and this congregation are only a small part of that universal body of Christ. So much could be said about this whole aspect of the Christian life, all the separate parts and how we're each formed together, each one of us having a, a place and a position and a responsibility within the body of Christ. But we're not going to take time with that today. Take the opportunity. Read Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians 4. See you again the divergency and yet the necessity of every part of the body using and doing what God has called you to do. And you might say, well, I don't think He's called me to do anything at all. I just kind of come and I'm blessed to be here and that, that's pretty much it, my Christian walk. Beloved, there's so much more, if I might coin a phrase. There's so much more for you in your Christian walk. Let me ask you this morning, if you this morning, as you're getting up and getting ready for church, and as you're walking around barefoot yet, and suddenly your toe hit the edge of the door extremely hard, let me ask you something. Do you think the rest of your body would respond to that? You know it would. The rest of your body would be miserable all day long with that one toe because that one toe got injured. That's how we're supposed to be as the body of Christ. And when my right arm gets injured 
And it can be of no use. You know what? My, my left arm, though it normally doesn't do a whole lot of things, you know, it's usually kind of just hanging there. Now suddenly it has to come and, and start being active and move. Why? Because this part is damaged. It, it needs to rest for a while. And it's the same way with the body of Christ, that we come and join together. But as I said, we're not going to go very far on that this morning. Just suffice it to say that people should be able to look at the church and understand who Jesus is. And beloved, that's a huge responsibility, isn't it? They should be able to look at the church and see, because the church is the body of Christ, and they should be able to see, wow, if that's who Jesus is, I want to be a part of that. I want to have some of that in my life. If we name the name of Jesus as our Lord, the world should see in the church a true reflection of the Savior. Paul says it's the fullness of Him who fills all in all. The sad thing is, is the church universal is so out of whack. The church visible, let me put it that way, the church visible. The world often looks at the church visible and says, man, those guys are nuts. Those guys are are wacko. They're they're vicious. They're paranoid. They're coming against things all the time. Man, is that really who Jesus is? Beloved, what kind of a reflection of Christ is the church? Let me bring it home a little bit closer to you and I. What kind of reflection of Jesus Christ is Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande to our community? Do they see us as, uh, yeah, we come together on Sundays for our little feel-good club, and then we go out and it makes no difference on how we act, how we respond, what we do within the community. Is Calvary Chapel really a reflection of? Of Jesus Christ. You know what? That's as much a charge against me as the pastor as it is against each one of us as corporate members of this fellowship. Does our community see Jesus when they see us? But you knew I was going to get there and here I come. We draw it even a little bit closer when they look at you personally. Yes, you and you. And you, and you, and you, and you. Does my community, does my family, does the world around me see Jesus? Or is my Christianity simply a hobby that I occasionally attend to on Sundays? Or is it the reality of your life, Christ in you, the fullness of Him who dwells in you, the all in all? Beloved, there is exceeding greatness of the power of God that is working within the lives of those who believe Him. And that's what we're called in our lives. To allow that exceeding greatness of the power of God to flow through us because Christ in us, the very hope of glory, is flowing through us and we are a part of His body. So the question is, how are you doing with that? Let me encourage you by the Spirit of God that you would allow Christ to flow through you. That you would become less in order that He might become more. That you might seek fully His face, His presence in a regular way.
that you might know his word, his word of encouragement and strength, but also his word of challenge and sometimes conviction. And as we continue to gather together to be challenged and as iron sharpens iron, so one brother sharpens another, that you and I would not only not forsake the fellowship of the saints together. How can I be of use to you? How can you use this chip, this crack, this frail, this falling vessel? I'm surprised you want me, but I'm yours anyway. And allow that power of God to work mightily through you. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel, Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We have services on Saturday evenings and two Sunday morning worship services, as well as other services throughout the week. For more information about service times, including driving directions, log on to TheOpenWord.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now, we want to be sure to tell you how you can get a free copy of this teaching. Simply log on to TheOpenWord.com. Our website has today's message available for you to download. For more information about The Open Word or Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we encourage you to log on to TheOpenWord.com. Although The Open Word teachings are always available to you free of charge, if you'd like to help support this ministry, simply log on to the website TheOpenWord.com and click on the support link to make a secure donation to this teaching ministry. Your donation can be set up as a one-time or regular scheduled tax-deductible gift. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.